We're going to begin to focus on God by listening to some words from the letter of the church at Philippi. The Apostle Paul writes this. All I want now is Christ. I want to belong to him. In Christ I am right with God, but my being right does not come from following the law. It comes from God through faith. God uses my faith in Christ to make me right with him. All I want is to know Christ and the power that raised him from death. I want to share in his sufferings and even be like him in death. Then there is hope that I myself will somehow be raised from death. I don't mean that I'm exactly what God wants me to be. I haven't reached that goal yet. But I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. That's what Christ Jesus wants me to do. Brothers and sisters, I know I still have a long way to go, but there is one thing I do. I forget what is past, and I try as hard as I can to reach the goal before me. I keep running hard toward the finish line to get the prize that is mine, because God has called me through Christ Jesus to life up there in heaven. Hopefully I've got the hymn numbers right on the sheet this week. That will be a first. We're going to begin by singing from the red hymn book, number 62. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand has made. And if you're able to stand as we sing, please do.
And having sung God's praises, let's come to God together in prayer. Creating God, we praise and thank you for this new day. Whilst we were fast asleep, the sun rose to warm the earth with its morning rays. Birds stirred from slumber, breathed in the air and trilled their hymn of praise. Flowers opened their faces and turned to the source of light. A new day began and we were given the miracle of life to enjoy it. Redeeming God, we bring to you for forgiveness our sins and regrets. The dark shadows cast by our own negative emotions or experiences. The damaging words or actions which cannot be taken back or undone. The neglected opportunities or the hints of grace we chose to ignore. On this new day, dispel the gloom of regret with the light of forgiveness. Sustaining God, we marvel at the wonder of the world around us, orderly and predictable, and yet so often offering new ideas and fresh understandings. So full of mystery and wonder, yet simple and dependable, offering us comfortable security and adequate certainty. Here and now, on this new day, we celebrate your love and rejoice in your praises, which we offer in Christ's name. Amen. Now we're going to have a bit of a quiz, um, because I know you like quizzes. But first, here is the apology. I misled you last week. I forgot to check one of my factoids, and actually it was wrong. Vanuatu is not the place that they didn't have the flag or the national anthem for. It was Suriname, and it was the Olympics. Very difficult to track down, and I'm sorry, I should have done my research a bit more thoroughly. But hey, even ministers can forget it wrong especially me, when I'm checking things up. So if you've been telling all your friends about what I said about Vanuatu, just go and tell them that I was wrong. It'll be fine. They'll forgive you. So we're going to have a quiz connected with aspects of um, sports and the Commonwealth Games in particular. Um, If you're very eagle-eyed, you might have seen that there are some mascots around the place. Uh, But do you know who they all are? So we're going to have some pictures on the screen, and I've got some of them physically to show you. Uh, If you can put your hands up, rather than calling out, it just means I stand the best chance of getting more people involved. Okay, so round one is mascots. Who is this? Sarah. Clyde. Yep, we have three Clydes. Can you see where I put my three Clydes? Okay, yes. Glory. There's one over there. That's kilted Clyde. Very good. That's baby Clyde. There's one other Clyde. Atlanta. Yeah, and that's Clyde. That's what I've decided to call them. Clyde, Hilted Clyde, and baby Clyde. And that's my family of Clydes. Um, I don't mind people holding them, but please don't let them pull the tags off because they're kind of like souvenirs and I like the tags on them. 
but that's okay. So that's a, that's a decision to make, whether you let them play with it and not pull the tags off or whatever. Okay, who are these? Um, I'll pick them up and show you. Um, I'll bring them round. These are these live in my house. Um, I've had these for quite a long time. Does anybody recognise them? It could be a mouse. That's a good guess. Yeah, it's a good guess, uh, Bonnie. It's actually a ferret, but mouses look... Pussycats. Pussycat bears. Pussycat bears, yeah. Pussycat bears and a mouse ferret, honestly. Okay. These are from Manchester 2002. So does anybody remember what the mascots were at Manchester 2002? Well, I was there, so it's a bit easy for me. This is Kit the Cat. So big Kit and little Kit. Yeah, we'll get to those in a minute. And this is for Manchester. This, you have to understand Manchester speak to understand this one. This is Mad Ferret. Because we were all mad for it. <laughs> but that's kind of manky, um, whatever the word is, dialect. Okay, these ones might be a bit better known because these are done just two years ago. Anybody recognise these ones? Well done. I can't remember, so that one's Mandeville, that's right. And Mandeville was for the para sports. These are strange, aren't they, Bonnie? Yeah, that one's got a flag on it, hasn't it? So this is Mandeville and Wenlock, who were the Olympic Games mascots for London 2012. And Mandeville was named after Stoke Mandeville Hospital, because that was where Paralympics began. And Wenlock was named after Much Wenlock, which is a small village somewhere in England. I'm not going to pretend I know where, because I don't, and I haven't looked it up. Uh, But that's where the first, effectively... um, Modern Olympics took place. Now, two more that I don't have, but you can look at them on the screen. These are both Commonwealth Games mascots. Um, this is a bird. Um, I think it's a cockatiel or something. Comes from Australia. <coughs> that is Karak from Melbourne 2006. And then this one. Anybody remember this one? Interesting, isn't it? How quickly things go. Sorry? Yep, well done. That's the Delhi Commonwealth Games in 2010, and that was Shira the Tiger. So each Commonwealth Games chooses its own mascot, and then they sell toys of them, and strange people like me buy them. Um, I actually got this one, Pride the Lion, um, in a shop, toy shop in town for a pound is a week. So keep your eyes open after the Commonwealth Games, because that's the time to buy your mascot. <laughs> Okay. What do we know about the sports at the Commonwealth (coughs) Games? How many of the core sports can you tell me that there are for athletes without disabilities? I'm trying to make the language equivalent for the two groups. Anita. 17. There are 17 total. Fantastic. That's right, Bonnie. There are candles and we need those later. So you can have that one. That's all right. Um, so there are 17 sports, of which 10 are core sports that have to be at every Commonwealth Games. So can anybody tell me any of those? Uh, so it's a groups of sports, yes. Yeah. So Ian, yes? Hi. Athletics, yep. Yeah. 100 metres athletics, very good. Yep. Yeah. Anybody else got any sort of thoughts? Swimming. Of... Swimming, yep. Yeah. Boxing. Boxing. 
Uh, yes. <laughs> Not on my list. Javelin. Javelin is part of athletics, but very good. Yep, that's always there. Bowls. Bowls. Yep, lawn bowls is a compulsory sport at the Commonwealth Games. In fact, these are the ten uh, core sports. Aquatics, athletics, badminton, boxing, <coughs> hockey, lawn bowls, netball, rugby sevens, squash and weightlifting. That's a very odd set of core sports, but that's the seven, sorry, the ten that they have to have. And the seven optional ones are cycling, diving, gymnastics, judo, shooting, table tennis and wrestling. So some they have to have, some they can choose, and those are the seven they chose. What about athletes with disabilities, rather than athletes without disabilities? What are the four core groups of sports for athletes with disabilities? And you start. Swimming. Swimming, yes. Yeah. Athletics, yep. Yeah. It's athletics, lawn bowls, powerlifting, and swimming. That's a strange mixture, isn't it? And the one they've chosen as their optional is cycling. Okay, round four. This is the last round. I'm going to show you four pictures on the screen. And I want you to wait till the end and tell me what links those four sports. So it's a bit like one of those um, question of sport rounds or something. Okay. That's picture number one. That's picture number two. That's picture number three. And that's picture number four. So what connects those four sports? We'd like to look at them again backwards. Oh, go backwards. So that's the first one. That's the second one. So cycling, weightlifting, swimming, and athletics. Ian. Yep, excellent. Yep, those are all sports for people, athletes with visual impairment. And that will sort of link a little bit with where we're going this morning as we've come to look at the Bible. So these are all elite athletes with visual impairment who compete at an international level. Now over the last couple of weeks we've been listening to the Commonwealth Games song sung by children in East Manchester so I thought we probably know it reasonably well by now. Now, I'm not expecting you to stand up, because it's not him. But I thought it might be nice to have the words, and if you would like to, just to sing along. Because I think it's got quite a good message as a song. And the words are on the sheet, they're not going to appear on the screen. So you can sing along, or you can just listen to this song, Let the Games Begin. Know what the song is, and I just want to um, read 
the first little bit and then the, and then the chorus for you, because that's really what I want us to keep in mind. Take flight. The next generation's here tonight. No hesitation. And we will leave nothing to fate. Can you take what you dared to dream, turn it into reality? This world is yours to create now. I just want you to hold on to that verse as we move on through the service. Uh, I've got another activity, and I could really do with either two or four volunteers. doesn't matter whether it's two or four. Okay, glory is one. Freya, thank you. Anybody else want to come? Sarah? Um, Alanta, would you like to come? Okay, it's not too difficult, I promise. Okay, so the first thing I want you to do is in two teams of two, it's probably two, two, and you two, we're going to do a figure of eight loop, so we're going to walk around the back of the, of the computer, do a loop around the middle people, walking round, and then you can come along around the back of the table. So can you just do that for me? That's the first, just want you to do that as you are. Do my figure of eight obstacle course. So just walk round, that's fantastic. Doesn't matter if you go opposite ways, that's good. It's good to, so that, is that easy or is that hard? So you, you can go back to where you started, however you like. Get back to where you started, whatever way suits you. Was that easy or hard? We'll stay on that side, I think. Is that reasonably easy? Reasonably easy. You weren't quite sure where you were going, but reasonably easy. Right, now this time, one of you in each pair is going to be blindfolded. And the other one is going to help them, right? So you're going to be blindfolded. You can have my boots blindfold. Who would like to be blindfolded on your team? Freya, thank you. You can have my Emirates blindfold. Okay. Now, I want the other person in your team to take you by the arm and lead you carefully round the obstacle course. Off you go. And as you go around, I want the person who's blindfolded to think, how does that feel? Oopsie. (laughs) You're right. You're okay. Okay. How did that feel, Freya? Yeah, it feels really strange, doesn't it? And what did you think? I could still see. You could say, oh, well, that's cheating. <laughs> did it feel a bit different, though? Did it feel a bit difficult, more difficult than normal? No? Okay. Right, well, we're going to swap over and blindfold the other person. And you can close your eyes, okay? Just to make sure that there's no cheating going on. And this time, you're going to, the person who can see is going to stay here, and they are going to tell the other person what to do. Okay? So you can both talk at once, that's okay. Well, you've got to just tell him how to do it, off you go. Right, so just send them off around the course and you just tell them. You've got to stay here though. You might need to speak loudly. Stay still, Freya, just tell her what to do. That's it. Just make, your own, just make up your own route round. It doesn't really matter which way round you go, as long as you go. 
You're doing really well. Don't take any notes to these people who are laughing because they wouldn't be able to do it this well. It's really interesting, isn't it? People using arm signals to say if they go this way and walk that way and they can't see them. Okay, we'll just go another few steps and then we'll, we'll come back because otherwise we could be here all day, which is fine. Okay, that will, that's fine. You can take blindfolds off now. So if you want to come out, and can we give them um, some, a round of applause? That How did you find that, Glory? Was it okay? Was it tricky? Yeah. yeah. How did you find it? And how did you feel about your, your guide person? Were they helpful? Yes. Yeah? Did you trust them? Or were you not sure about trusting them? <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Thank you. You can go and sit down now. But people who are visually impaired often have to depend on other people to help them, to lead them along or to show them the way. Um, and it's really not easy either being the blind person or being the guide person because there's a kind of relationship that's necessary <coughs> to be able to make that work. Now we're going to sing a song that I learned long, long, long ago. I know we haven't sung it here for a long time, um, but it reminds us that actually Jesus is the best guide that we can have. So it is on the sheet, it will appear on the screen as well. I want to walk with Jesus Christ. Please stand if you can as we sing.
So each week over the summer, providing the technology behaves, we're going to have some interviews with some athletes who happen to be followers of Jesus. So if you'll just um, bear with me while I juggle things. Hi everybody. Now you know to do really well at anything, you need to dig deep and show some much needed determination. Sometimes everything seems stacked against us. There are problems and setbacks. Yet it is possible to achieve our goals and do better than anyone expected. Well, today we're going to hear about a man who against all the odds managed to meet Jesus. And when he did that, he found out how to live life to the full. Before we get to that, though, we're just going to bring in our magical screen once again. There it is. And hear from our athletes. Because they face difficulties just like you and I. There they are. And we ask them how God helps them to achieve their goals and do their very best at the same time. As an athlete, I just don't train without knowing what I'm aiming for. And for example, this year, I'm aiming to do better times, you know, to achieve personal best times in, in the competitions. It's always very important to set goals that we know we can achieve, and that's what I do. Having a goal is extremely important. Uh, it means that you know where you're heading to, and that you have direction. For me, in rowing, um, the main goal is, is to win that gold medal in, in the Olympics. That's, that's the aim, that's the goal, and that's um, what our training and, and lifestyle is, is geared towards. And sometimes when you're having a bad day, that can seem so far away. It seems like your goal is, is really out of reach. But you have to remember that in, in anything you try and achieve, um, there'll be ups and downs, good times and bad times. But as long as you've got that goal and you know where you're heading, You've always got that, that purpose of direction and um, you know how you can get there. Well, you know, that was a question that was often asked me um, each season, especially as a goal scorer when you're setting out and you set yourself goals for the season. And I always said, and yeah, I did have goals, but I wasn't going to tell people what they were. Um, I kept them to myself and then used to let go at the end of the season and say, yes, I've reached my goals or I haven't reached my goals. But I think it's very important to set yourself your own personal goals in life. If you think about setting goals, you've got the Olympic Games up at the top, the Olympic Games gold medal, and then you've got little goals below that. You've got the World Championships, the World Championships gold medal, the World Cups, being one of the top athletes in the team. And then your own individual goals as well, making sure you can row as fast as you can on the rowing machine, making sure you can row as fast as you can individually on the lake. And it's those individual goals that all come together to be an Olympic champion. Well, when I started off to me, maybe I was 12 or 13, I remember writing down a goal for some of the Olympic Games, but I never really thought I would. Like, everyone else was writing it down, so I thought, well, I suppose I do as well. Um, I never actually thought I would reach that goal, but, you know, I really enjoyed swimming, and I, I just found that I definitely got to give me the talent to swim, so that helped me to just keep working hard before I knew it, I was at the Olympic Games, and it definitely uh, does help me get there. Growing up at the age of about 15, um, I was one of the smallest, and so I was really not that important, if you like, and, and I ended up taking a year out of football, and didn't think I was going to achieve any of my goals in life, um, and then I went on to, to start playing for team after team, and eventually made it into, into the, the professional ranks, um, against all the odds, and uh, you know, I thank God for that. You know, it was a struggle, but in the end, I managed to prevail. And, and you know, it's the same for anyone. I often tell young children, no matter what you want to do, if you really take your mind, you can achieve. Take it, 
Should have shown it straight in it. There are definitely times where there have been struggles um, with injury. Um, a couple of times I was injured, an injury in my neck, and I couldn't swim, I couldn't turn my head. And I you know I was kind of weak of not being able to train properly, and it was very hard. Um, we had to keep, I just had to keep focused and work on the things that I could do, like um, make sure I was still having a good diet, being sensible, um, that I was praying again for something that I could do, and um, not, not getting too disappointed about it, but just trying to stay positive. You know, within rowing, I have had my sporting goals, and um, I really want you know, my parents, my friends, and family to be proud of, of what I'm doing and how hard I'm working. And, you know, I know that if I do my best within my sport, I can be proud of, of what I do achieve. But also being a Christian, um, I want God to be proud of me. And that's to do with you know, how I live, how I act, how I treat other people. To live how God wants me to live, um, just, just like Jesus. And Jesus is our role model and our example. Well, there you go. How about that? Even when things are really tough, they have the strength and determination to keep going. They press on. Let's work out where we are. I'll sort that in a minute. Okay, we're going to have our Bible reading, so I'm just going to disconnect that because that's going to be distracting for you. I'll sort it out before we need it again. So this is a Bible reading from Mark chapter 10. They came to a town of Jericho, and when Jesus left there with his followers, a large crowd was with them. A blind man named Bartimaeus, meaning son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. He was always begging for money. He heard that Jesus from Nazareth was walking by, so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, please help me. Many people criticised the blind man and told him to be quiet, but he shouted more and more, son of David, please, please help me. Jesus stops and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man and said, well, you can be happy now. Stand up. Jesus is calling you. The blind man stood up quickly. He left his coat there and he went to Jesus. Jesus asked the man, what do you want me to do for you? He answered, Teacher, I want to see again. Jesus said, Go. You are healed because you believed. Immediately, the man was able to see again, and he followed Jesus down the road.
Do you remember the song from which I read at the beginning? Can you take what you dare to dream, turn it into reality? The world is yours to create now. The song sung by East Forty is perhaps not the most beautiful poetry ever, and certainly there are stresses that seem to be on the wrong syllables. The world is waiting, as it says. It does not good musically. But that's to miss the point. If we worry about its technical merit, then we're not understanding what this song is about. It isn't an exercise in English grammar. It's not about perfect poetry. It's not about songwriting. It's an expression of aspiration, of hope against the odds, of daring to believe that dreams really can come true. I've said it the last two weeks, I'm going to go on saying it. These are children in some of the less privileged parts of Glasgow. And they are dreaming dreams. And that surely speaks volumes to us. Back in first century Jericho was a man who had pretty much given up on his dreams. Even his name was huge with irony. Bar Timaeus, the son of or descendant of Timaeus. And Timaeus, a name that means worth or honour, maybe even glory. So here he was, this worthless, honourless, glorylessness, whatever the word is, gloryless man, right at the bottom of the heap, an embarrassment to his family, unable to work because he was blind. Ha! Bartimaeus, son of glory. I don't think so. Perhaps he had been injured. Perhaps some parasite or disease had damaged his eyes. Maybe he suffered from myopia very severely. We don't know. He may have been what we would term registered blind without being totally blind. What we do know is that he was reduced to begging at the roadside, hoping that someone might just be moved to drop a few coins into his outspread cloak so that he would be able to buy some meagre rations. And sometimes it's those little phrases that seem almost like they're throwaway ones that give us a hint of what's going on in the story. He was always begging for money. He was a nuisance. It's probably like the people I meet when I walk up and down Byers Road sitting with their cups and I just kind of find them a nuisance. He was one more worthless piece of trash that despoiled the highway. Bartimaeus, I don't think so. So what was it that prompted him to start calling out to Jesus? What was he hoping for? Much to the annoyance of the crowd, Jesus heard the shouts amidst all that was going on and said, come on, you, come over here. What do you want me to do for you? And I wonder, in those moments, what went through Bartimaeus' mind? What do I want from Jesus? Should I ask for the money to buy a good meal? Should I ask to be rich, then I could pay other people to look after me? 
Should I ask him to explain why this happened to me, of all people? What can I ask for? What in my wildest dreams might just, just be possible? What prompted him to say, I want to see? Did he believe that Jesus could and maybe would restore his vision? Or was this just the heart cry of someone with nothing left to lose? Well, If you, like everybody else, are going to reject me and ridicule me and abandon me and think I'm a nuisance, actually, do you know what? I might as well just tell it as it is. Which came first? The deep yearning to be made whole, to be free, to be valued and accepted? Or the sense that Jesus could be trusted, the beginnings of faith. It's one of those chicken and egg kind of questions. Which came first, his desire to be made whole or his faith that Jesus could do it? Did he cry out to Jesus because he had faith? Or did he have faith because Jesus listened when he called out? According to the Gospel writer, Jesus said that the healing was possible because Bartimaeus believed or had faith. And we hear that as faith in Jesus, faith in God, unrightly so. But I wonder, did he also have some faith in himself? That despite everything that life had thrown at him, despite being blind, despite being a blind beggar, and despite being a despised blind beggar, he did have Timeo. He did have worth or value. That actually, this was his moment, and he was going to grasp it with both hands. Can you take what you dare to dream, turn it into reality? The world is yours to create now. So he took his courage in both hands, and he asked for his heart's desire. Left behind his familiar life of begging and ridicule, for what? An unknown adventure, because we last see him walking down the road, following Jesus. Literally in Jericho, and metaphorically as part of Jesus' team, part of what some called the way, part of the embryonic Jesus movement, that motley collection of tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners, those who with the twelve disciples would form Jesus' team. Here he would find that he did have worth. Now this story and others like it raise all kinds of questions about disability, about how we define or understand wholeness or healing, about how we understand faith and doubt. And we could explore those endlessly and do clever theologizing and goodness knows what, but actually we'll never get a final answer but it shouldn't stop us going back to these questions from time to time. We're just not going to do it today. At the Commonwealth Games, there are a number of events for elite athletes with visual impairment. And in each of these, success is contingent on the relationship of trust between the competitor and their sighted teammate. 
The guide who runs along has to match their pace, stride for stride, not overtaking, because if they overtake, then the person is disqualified, but helping them to stay in the right lane, to go the right distance. The blind swimmers are dependent on all sorts of weird and wonderful physical and audio cues to help them know when they get to the end of the pool, that bonk on the head with the the round thing on a pole, and a split second out, and it could be disaster. The blind cyclists riding tandem, that's risky, isn't it? Or the blind bowlers, depending on somebody to say a bit to the right, a bit to the left, long, short, whatever it is. It comes down to faith. It comes down to trust. And that's risky. It's risky because humans are always fallible, always capable of letting us down or messing up, like forgetting to undo the mute on the computer. That split-second error of judgment in a competition is lost. Trust is really important, but it's also really fragile. It's easily broken, and it can only be developed when we're willing to take risks with our dreams, with our hopes, with our hearts. Faith is challenging stuff. That came through a lot, I think, in those athlete interviews, especially Kirsty Balfour. She's really speaking to me as I listen to those, and the times that she struggled but kept going. Can you take what you dare to dream, turn it into reality? The world is yours to create now. So what is your dream? What is our dream? What are the hopes and aspirations that we have as individuals, as families, as a church? If Jesus could walk in here today and say, well, Hillhead Baptist Church, what do you want from me? What would we say? Because faith doesn't carry guarantees. And faith won't ensure that we achieve our heart's desire for all sorts of reasons. But faith, trust in ourselves, in each other, and above all in God, gives us the best possible chance of discovering fullness of life, being fully alive, playing our part in Jesus' team, and working for his goal the eternal kingdom of God's shalom. Amen. So we're going to sing a very beautiful hymn now, and I think we'll perhaps remain seated for this one, um, that talks about healing and the difficulties that we have in understanding what healing is, but the fact that God is with us and cares for us through all the struggles of life. We cannot measure how you heal or answer every sufferer's prayer.
over the summer months, we are being a little more experimental in our forms of intercession. And today we're going to use some candles. Um, if you would like to, there is no requirement that anybody does. Uh, in a moment, I'm going to say some words and light the Christ candle. And we have various little tea lights that you can light if you would like to and place on the tray for health and safety reasons. Don't want to burn the church down. Um, there will be some spoken petitions and then between those there will be a gap when if you would like to you're invited to come forward and light a candle but you don't have to and if at some other point you just think you know actually I'm prompted to light a candle for somebody I want to pray for that's fine Uh, if you're in a catholic church or an orthodox church that happens all the time people suddenly get prompted to pray and they go up to the votive stand and they light a candle so we can pray with our eyes open and if you want to move and light candles that's great you don't want to that's great too it is better to light a candle than to curse the darkness God, who is light, we bring our prayers to you. Prayers for ourselves and prayers for others. God, who is light, we bring our prayers for those whose lives are shrouded by darkness, asking that you will transform their experience with hope, love and faith. We pray for those who live in the darkness of low self-esteem, who consider themselves to have little or no worth, even when outward appearances might suggest otherwise. May the light of self-acceptance dawn upon them brightly and brighten into healthy self-esteem as they discover or rediscover their innate worth. We pray for those who live in the darkness of depression, walking the black dog, unable to find escape from the all-pervading blackness. May torchbearers come alongside them, carrying the small, gentle light of friendship and unconditional love, accompanying them on the path to a new dawn of hope. We pray for those who live under the shadow of fear or regret, whose minds are filled with sounds or images that stir only negative emotion. Quieten the noises, switch off the images, turn off the endless repetition of anxiety, grief or remorse, 
and grant to them peace of heart and mind, the gentle light of release and renewal. We pray for those places and situations we hear or read about in the news, darkened by violence, greed, disease, disaster. For those who carry with them the light of hope, the aid agencies, the peacekeepers and the peacemakers, the governmental and non-governmental organisations, we pray asking that you would give them wisdom, compassion, and tenacity. We pray for those situations known only to us in which there is need for the light of your hope and love. Not necessarily the dark places, but the places that could be brighter, more hopeful, more joyful as your spirit transforms them. Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world. Take these, our prayers, expressed in words, in candles, and in silence, and bring your light to those for whom we have prayed. You do so trusting that you hear, and in faith that you will respond. Amen.
loving and generous God, as we bring these our gifts of money, we know that you will accept them and transform them into means of grace, bringing hope to those who find no hope, light to those who feel they are in darkness, and worth to those who feel they have no worth. So accept the gifts and accept us in Christ's name. Amen. And now as we prepare to meet around the Lord's table, we sing again, Lord, we have come at your own invitation. Please stand if you're able as we sing. Jesus invites us to his table. He invites us just as we are. If we feel we're doing well, and if we're feeling pretty low and have low self-esteem. Jesus invites us if we've been following him for a lifetime, or if we're still just testing out whether he can be trusted. It is Jesus who invites us to meet around the table to share in bread and wine, sign and symbol of God's grace, refreshment for our own journey of faith, and a meeting place with one another in faith and hope. And so we listen to Mark's account of that first last supper, the last supper, the first uh, communion, if you like. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, The day the lambs for the Passover meal were killed, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and get ready for the Passover? And Jesus sent two of them with their instructions. Go into the city 
and a man carrying a jar of water will come to you. Follow him to the house he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher says, where is the room where my disciples and I will eat the Passover meal? And then he will show you a large upstairs room prepared and furnished where you'll get everything ready for us. disciples left, went to the city and found everything just as Jesus had told them and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, Jesus came with the twelve disciples and while they were at the table eating, he said, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me, one of you who is eating with me. The disciples were really upset. They began to ask him one after another, you you don't mean me, do you? You don't mean me, surely not me. Jesus answered, it will be one of the twelve, one who dips his bread in the dish with me. The son of man will die, as the scriptures say he will. But how terrible it will be for the man who betrays the son of man. It would have been better for him if he hadn't been born. While they were eating, Jesus took a piece of bread, gave a prayer of thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take it, he said. This is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks to God and handed it to them and they all drank from it. Jesus said, This is my blood which is poured out for many, my blood which seals God's covenant. I tell you, I will never again drink this wine until the day I drink the new wine in the kingdom of God. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. We follow Jesus' example as we give thanks for what is set before us. For this bread and for this wine and for all they mean to us and for all they may mean to us and for all we want them to mean to us, we give you thanks and praise, holy God. Amen. So Jesus broke the bread and shared it with those confused, bewildered, confident it wasn't going to be them who fouled up disciples. Because he loved them, and because he knew his life would be given for them. And so we, who he loves just as much, share in this bread, eating in gratitude as we receive. And after the meal, as they sat perhaps just a little more relaxed, waiting for the final psalm and then to go out into the night, Jesus took the cup, probably the cup of blessing, the fourth cup, 
And he said to them, this is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you do this, you remember me, not just in your heads as you recall me, but in your bodies as you remember, put back together the body of Christ. And so we who are the body of Christ in this place will retain our cups and drink together as a sign of our oneness in Christ. The Apostle Paul says, you are the body of Christ and each of you is a member within it. So let's drink together, trusting that to be so in faith and thanksgiving. We declare the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Praise, glory, and honour be to you, Jesus Christ, Son of worth, Son of Mary, Son of God. Amen. Our closing hymn, which will appear when I wake the computer up. Now let us from this table rise, renewed in body, mind and soul. With Christ we die and live again. His selfless love has made us whole. Please stand if you're able as we sing.
may we go from here to dream new dreams, to dare new adventures, to build new trust. And may we do so in the faith, hope and love of our triune God, creator, redeemer and spirit, now and always. Thank you.